Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eggshell Transformations, a podcast for intense people. My name is Imi, and I'm here with you on a journey. Hi, everyone. I hope you're doing very well. Today, I have the honor of speaking to Dr. Nicole. Tetrault. She is a psychologist and researcher specializing in the field of neurodiversity. She has conducted extensive research on topics of giftedness, neurodiversity, and the brain differences associated with these conditions. She's also the author of a book called Insights into a Bright Mind, where she explores the intersection of neurodivergent traits, giftedness, and sensory sensitivities. During this interview, we talked about many different things. Um, Nicole shared that she was late in identifying herself as dyslexic. And I also shared a bit of my own personal experiences with sensitivities and health conditions. And we touched on various things, including emotional giftedness, AI, etc. I really hope you would enjoy this conversation and get something from it. Now to Nicole. Hi, Dr. Nicole. Um, how would you like to be addressed? Nicole? However, yeah. Dr. However you like. Yeah? Okay. All right. I'll just call you Nicole if that's okay. Um, that sounds thank great. Thank you for being here. You have one of the most thorough books on giftedness that I've ever seen. And I love that you touch on, I mean, there are not a lot of books out there for um, gifted adults anyway, but they don't usually touch on things in such a thorough in a whole body ways, and we'll get into it later, but it actually covers things that I'm personally a geek on, things like microbiota, holistic health. We can get into all of that later, but thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me and the work that you do. Mm. I have your hard copy in the other room. I may grab it later. But in any case, let's begin. Um, how would you define neurodiversity? I know people have all sorts of debates about the terms and what it should and shouldn't include. What are some of your thoughts on that? Well, neurodiversity is a wide umbrella of basically individuals that have unique brain wiring and unique behaviors and um, also unique ways of processing and experiencing in the world. And so when I think about neurodiversity, um, you know, it really encompasses usually about one in five people, which is um, people with um, that are on the autism spectrum, attention, um, hyperactivity, giftedness is um, the way that Matthew C. Fugit likes to talk about it. Um, uh, I would also include um, giftedness in that as well. Um, people with sensory processing, and um, also, you know, alternative forms of speech and communication. So people on the autism spectrum as well. And so it kind of, um, and when you think about that, um, and then in my book, I kind of also added in um, mental health considerations as well, um, because there's often co-occurrences that happen where, um people with anxiety and depression actually are going to be communicating and responding to the world differently as well. Mm. Mm. One in five, that statistic shocks me. It shocks me a bit. I guess I thought it would be less. Although, I mean, the Elaine Aaron, if you include the highly sensitive people as a part of being neurodivergent, it, 
that there's one in five. Yeah, I guess because people who are usually feel like they're such a minority. Well, I think that there's different degrees, right? And, you know, a lot of people who are gifted tend to have hyper sensitivity and intensities. And as well, when you think about people who are on the autism spectrum or have ADHD as well, um, you know, there are going to be sensory sensitivities that come along with that. And so there's going to be different ways that they process the world kind of in a heightened way. Mm. I mean, your book explores the experiences of people with different like neurological differences. And I think that's what makes it so unique because people don't usually go that deep into the neurological stuff. So you've touched on things like ADHD, autism, and even synesthesia. I can never pronounce it right. Um, so I'm interested, I should probably ask that as a first question, but I know you also identify yourself as neurodivergent. Can you tell us a bit more about your own story, how you've come to this and what labels, let's say, would you, what, what would you categorize yourself as? Yeah, that's a great question. So for me, I, um, was really late to my identification. And actually, I didn't include dyslexia and dysgraphia in um, the umbrella I was talking about earlier. Dysgraphia? Dysgraphia is um, people who have challenge with writing. And so mm. that's, um, or production of writing. So it may not just be a motor function, but it could be a processing function in their brain where getting words onto paper becomes challenging. So similar to somebody who has trouble speaking. Um, and so there could be varying degrees. And dyslexia is really, it's a kind of a wide range um, that involves, you know, uh, differences in reading um, and comprehension and um, letter decoding. And so for me, um, I wasn't identified being dyslexic until I was in college. Um, I took a organic chemistry class. I wanted to be an organic chemist, actually, um, and design medications because my mother had Parkinson's disease. And I was tutoring people. I was, I knew the stuff and I got to this exam and in, by the time we got to the end of the exam, I didn't finish the last problem. And I got my exam back. I was devastated. I think I got like a 53. Mm. And um, I went to the professor and I'm like, what's happened? I knew all this information. I couldn't finish the exam. Um, and he said, oh, no big deal. Um, the class average, I think, was like a 50. He's like, so you passed. And I said, no, but something's wrong. Um, so then I went to the student services at UC Davis and they recommended that I get tested. Um, and then I was tested and I had, um, which was not known to me at the time, I had some areas in the 99th percentile. Um, and then I also had discrepancies of being in the 40th percentile for visual processing. And so they only told me that I was dyslexic. I didn't know I was gifted at the time. Um, but I had overcompensated my whole life. And so finally I was able to take, um, have notes where I had rec 
hoardings and I had alternative forms of, I had a spelling ace with me at the time. We didn't really, because a lot of the exams were still handwritten. Um, and so I, I learned a little bit about the accommodations. And when I was applying to graduate school, that was kind of one of my stories within a story was, well, there's this discrepancy you see in my grades earlier on because I was not identified and getting the appropriate accommodations and services. Well, was it lonely? I mean, did you have anyone in your life who also shared similar experience or were you the first one really? Um, I felt really isolated, you know, and I think that aside from that, you know, when I kind of start to break it out even more, um, you know, I had always been a kid that, you know, I wore uniforms at school and the tags would irritate me. Um, yes. somebody oh who God, would I be, that. yeah, right. I would be playing, uh, I would be in the classroom and somebody would be banging their pencil. It would be very distracting. So I had a lot of these sensitivities that I didn't really know or understand and no one ever talked about them. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, for me, it was really lonely at times. And when I studied, um, you know, what made me actually a science communicator was my dyslexia because I read everything and then I actually rewrote it in terms that I could understand by my brain. And then I was able to communicate it. And that's just kind of how it transpired to kind of create a profession for me in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's sort of a superpower at the same time. There was a lot of struggle along the way too. Mm -hmm. Wow. And you were saying you could resonate with like tags and sensitivity. Not just that I really all my life had misophonia, food sensitivities, allergies, migraines, you name it, all the things you covered in your book. That's, um, and I guess I've heard that. I mean, thank you for asking. So I am personally very into things like functional medicine because in my um, attempts to find answers for my own difficulties with things like headache, sound sensitivity, I've tried everything. You know, I've tried all the diets in the world, like vegan, paleo, keto diets. I've done all of it. Functional medicine doctors, tapping, supplements, mountains of it. I know all about it. Microbiome, probiotics. And I really find your literature, your book on topics such as allergies, gut-brain connections, and giftedness really refreshing. So can you say a bit more about it, actually? Dig a bit deeper into the unique wiring or the nervous system. Why are, I mean, I think most people wouldn't even have thought that gifted people are more likely to have allergies. Like, I just don't think people think they are related, general public anyway. And yet, at least anecdotally, I don't know if there are research backing it up, there probably is. At least anecdotally, it is so common. So can you tell us all more about like, are they wired differently? What's happening in their brain? Yeah, so that's a really great question. So when, um, 
when I started this investigation, um, you know, I kind of came in through the lens um, with looking at neurodiversity. And, and the first area I looked at was in autism. And in autism, there was a lot of co-occurrences of allergies, That's alterations true. in the gut microbiome. Yeah. And that was sort of a little bit of a window to say, hey, something could be going on metabolically in different people with different brain wiring. This material in an excerpt from a longer podcast or video. Follow link in description to learn more.